Hey church, I'm so glad you're with us today, especially if you're a guest. Welcome to week one of the series, Summer at Trinity. And I wanna welcome everyone who's watching and joining with us online right now. Uh, we love you guys, and if you're a guest today, or this is your first time, we hope you feel right at home. Now, if you haven't already, download the Trinity app to make sure you get the sermon notes for today, and then you stay up to date with all things Trinity Church. Now, speaking of all things Trinity Church, VBS this year is going to be amazing. We're expecting capacity, so if you haven't already, register your kids for a week of fun and excitement, but most importantly, a week where I know that God is gonna to speak to them in powerful ways. Uh, this weekend, I'm not with you because I'm with Amanda in Utah as she runs a half marathon, and we're spending time together celebrating our 13-year anniversary, and honestly, we're just kinda of catching our breath from a busy spring season. And church, so far, it's been an incredible year of ministry here at Trinity. Considering everything that's happened in our world over the last 18 months, we're just amazed at God's continued blessings. People are saying yes to Jesus every week. People are being baptized, people are connecting into groups, and people are returning to in-person worship services. Wow. We're truly thanking God for all the things that He is doing. As one of our elders recently said in a meeting, he said, it feels like we're sitting on a powder keg that's about to explode. And I agree, I mean, you can just feel it. And I can't wait to get back and to see all that God wants to do this summer and even as we prepare for the fall. Not today, as we begin this series, you're in really good hands. Um, you're gonna hear from several guests this summer and also a few of our staff pastors. There's no theme to this series as I've asked our guest speakers to share what God has put on their hearts in a message that is just burning inside of them. I have no doubt that God will speak to each and every one of us this summer. Now, back in January, Pastor DJ, he joined our staff as the Next Steps pastor. And I'm sure you'll hear more about his family, but I want you to know that we love Pastor DJ, his wife, Juliet, and their son, Hudson. They've been a wonderful addition, and Pastor DJ is doing a great job being leadership over our Next Steps area. I know today that you're gonna be inspired and encouraged by this great young leader. So come on, Trinity, would you put your hands together and welcome to our stage to bring God's word for the first time, Pastor DJ Patrick. How we doing, church? Yeah. Hey, uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to bring the word of God this morning. I appreciate Pastor Jared allowing me to speak. Don't we just have a great leader and pastor and Pastor Jared? Yeah. His lovely wife, Amanda. It, is, it has been awesome since January to just uh, learn from him, sit under his ministry, and we're excited about what God's doing here at Trinity. We knew, my wife Juliet and I, we knew we were getting a great pastor, a great leader, um, but one thing that we've just been blown away by is our staff here at Trinity too. God's hand over Pastor Dave, Pastor Julie, uh, all of our staff has just been absolutely terrific, and you guys, man, you have made us feel so at home. We feel like we're a part of the family already. Give yourselves a round of applause. Just being an awesome group of people. Uh, we love being a part of the Trinity family. The move from Florida to Arizona is a little difficult, okay? Um, however, my toddler over here, he's loving the Arizona <laughs> vibes, man. He is all about the pool. Every single day he'll ask, can we go to the pool? And this is what he loves to do. It's weird because like, how many almost two-year-olds do you know that like to work on their tan? You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, he definitely got this from his mom, not me, right? I'm more like play in the pool, have fun. He's like, let's just chillax, chill dad for a little bit. Um, so he loves the pool. Now, his least favorite place 
that he's ever been. I've, sh I've shown you his favorite place. His least favorite place is this right here, an airplane, okay? How many of you guys love airplanes? The inside of airplanes, you guys are crazy, all right? That is nuts. Now, there's two types of people in the world. My wife, she is a hardcore window seat person. Where are my window seat people at? Okay, all right, type it. If you're online, type it in there. Hey, I'm a window seat person, all right? Now, you window seat people, you love to dream, right? You love to just look at the mountains, look at the scenery, dream about life, kind of doze off into your own space during the airplane ride. And then where are my aisle people? That's me right there. Yeah, there we go. The aisle people. You like your leg room. You kind of like control, right? Let's be honest. You like to be able to go to the bathroom whenever you want without having to ask, uh, excuse me, sir, I need to go to the bathroom now, right? That's awkward. No, you just want to get up, do whatever you want. You love control. Now, there's no third person. There's no middle seat person, right? No one goes to the airport and is like, hey, you know what? I, I am praying, God, please give me a middle seat. No. No one likes to be crammed up, all right? If you fly Southwest Airlines, this is the worst experience like ever, where I'm always, for some reason, God has blessed me with the ability to be the last group to board for on every plane. It's a gift that I have. And Southwest, there's no assigned seating, right? So group A, group B, group C, they're all taking the good spots, your window seat, your aisle seat, and then I come in and nobody wants DJ to come and cram right in the middle of the two of them, right? It is the worst experience. I can see on people's eyes as I walk through the aisle, they're like, Lord, please help this guy not to sit next to me. <laughs> and what do you do? You have to pick a seat, right? So I try to pick the two tiniest people I can possibly find that I can sit in the middle seat and it's incredibly uncomfortable, right? Nobody likes a middle seat. So what we're actually gonna talk about today is sometimes in life, God calls us to the uncomfortable season, right? He may be calling us to a middle seat to get us where he wants us to go. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna look at two different types of discomfort um, that are healthy types of discomfort. The first one is this, the discomfort in sharing. The discomfort in sharing. Now there's all different types, types of sharing. We're gonna look at three different types. Um, but listen, it's tough to teach a toddler how to share, right? That's like a really big deal. I know some of you guys are, are there, right there with me. It's also tough for me to learn to share, for us to learn to share, because we like our stuff, right? But there's three different types of sharing. The first one is kind of sharing with each other through vulnerability through vulnerability. Now this is where a lot of groups come into play with why we do what we do here at church. But I think Paul says it really good in the second letter he writes to the church of Corinth. He says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. Then he goes on to say this, he says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with, we, with, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, Paul used the word comfort here five times, so don't get lost, it's kind of tricky. What he's saying is simply that our responsibility as believers is when we go through trials, tribulations, affliction is the word he uses, our responsibility is to take that our story, take our tough time and turn it into a platform where we now have the ability to help those going through the same exact thing. And so, Honestly, one of the toughest things for us to share is our, our failures, right? Our flaws, our failures. And God has actually designed the church in a way for us to be able to do that with each other. Every, every tough time you've gone through, you went through for a reason. Some of you may have gone through those things for a reason so that literally your only responsibility is to help other people going through the exact same thing. I think in the Christmas story, yeah, I'm gonna talk about Christmas story in the summer, so bear with me, right? Who's the new guy? He doesn't know how this works, I get it, okay? <laughs> 
The Christmas story lays it out so beautifully where when Mary gets told that she's gonna have a baby, God provides Elizabeth, who also is pregnant in this miraculous situation, her relative, birthing John the Baptist, and she actually goes, hangs out with Elizabeth, they hang out together. The whole reason for that was simply so they could go through something together and have each other. It's a beautiful picture of how God has literally designed us in a way to do life with each other. And here's what the enemy wants, and this is what I'm afraid of. The enemy wants us to be isolated. He wants us to feel like we're the only ones going through the stuff that we're going through. He wants us to feel like we're the only ones that have this addiction. He wants us to feel like we're the only one having marriage problems. He wants us to feel like we're the only one that has affliction, that has trials, that has tribulation. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now listen, I am not an animal person. I'm just gonna be honest. It's not me. I think the zoo is the worst place in the entire earth. It is absolutely horrible. Don't give me this junk about, oh, the Phoenix Zoo is so amazing. No, it's not. Okay, zoos are horrible. This, the, the scent of a zoo is exactly what Satan uses as air fresheners in hell. It is that bad. <laughs> it's the worst smelling thing you could possibly have, okay? Not an animal person. Now, don't email me with vouchers to the Phoenix Zoo. Don't, please do not do that. I'm not going. I will not do that. I hate the zoo, okay? Again, not an animal person. However, I know one thing. I've seen the Lion King. Lions are ruthless. They are the king of the jungle for a reason, right? And what does the Bible tell us we are? Sheep. Again, I'm not an animal expert, but I'm pretty sure lion versus sheep, we don't get off so well. A one-on-one -on -one battle, we're in big trouble, right? I'm taking all my money out of investments and putting it right towards all my money on the lion. Like that's a one-on-one -on -one battle that the sheep cannot win. But here's, here's the beautiful illustration part of this. That when God calls us a sheep and he refers to Satan as the lion, when the sheep are in a pack and they're surrounded and guarded by the shepherd, that lion can't do anything. He can't. Like the, the shepherd's responsibility is to protect us and our responsibility is to, to surround ourselves with other sheep, with other people, with other members of the church, other believers. Amen. And when we rally together and we do life together, the lion's got nothing on us. Amen. And so this is why this is why Trinity groups are so important. This is why you hear Pastor Jared every launch of a new semester, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group, get in a group. It's because we were never meant to do life alone. In fact, Satan wants us to do life alone. So if we play into his playbook, we're in big trouble. But instead, what we have to do is we have to buy in to, to not only what God is teaching us in his word, but also what our church's values are, which is we do life together. You see, this is the start of our summer semester. Today is the start of our summer semester in groups. It's a great opportunity for each and every one of us to get plugged in. I know you're traveling. We got a lot of groups taking off in the summer. We're actually planning this fall for 60 groups in the fall, including a men's group of every night of the week. It's going to be fantastic. But here's the deal. If you start today with the mindset of, hey, listen, I want to do life with other people. I was never meant to do life in isolation. It's dangerous for me to do that. This is the way to do it. So even today in the lobby, as you leave, like see the group's wall, get connected. That's literally what it says on the board and get yourself plugged in. Here's why. The church was never simply meant to be a place of education. It was meant to be a house of transformation. 
See, this, this is important. And the educational aspect of church is really important. Like we wanna know scripture, we wanna know God's word in a deeper way every single day, that's important. But more importantly is the, is the transformation that God brings our lives when we do life how he intended us to do life. And I think so many times we get it confused where we just wanna know more about God, but we don't know God. And I think for me, I grew up in a, in a pastor's household and uh, I grew up a normal ministry kid. I was a missionary kid and a pastor's kid. I got best, best of both worlds. And literally I went to a Christian school my entire life, Christian elementary, Christian junior high, Christian high school. I was surrounded by people who knew of God Amen. that now today are living as far from him as possible. And it really put a burden on me of, you know what? It's not as much about knowing about him. It's about knowing who he is and having him transform your life. Once that transformation takes place, there's a really cool thing that happens. And it's this idea of we're obeying him. We're submitting to him through our next type of sharing, which is evangelism. So we not only wanna share with each other, we, we wanna be real, we wanna be transparent. We wanna be honest with each other and get involved in groups. But this whole different side, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll be transparent for a second. This is my most convicting part of the sermon, right? Again, as a, as a person who's surrounded by ministry, my coworkers, all believers, I work in the church office, right? My, my friends just moved to Arizona. All my friends are in this room, right? This is who I have. And so for me, I have to stretch out of my comfort zone and start meeting new people. Some of you, you're in that same boat, where in order to share your faith through evangelism, it's going to be uncomfortable. You've got to stretch yourself out of the, your normal routine into certain things in life that God has for you. And I think also Paul says it this way. We just looked at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's the beginning of his second letter. This is towards the end. And what he's talking about is just all of the things that he's had to go through to share his faith. It says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, listen to this, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This is literally probably one of the most depressing passages you can read in scripture, right? This is Paul talking about every hardship he's had to go through to advance the kingdom. He's trying to advance it. He's doing everything he can. He's coming up against obstacle after obstacle after obstacle in dangerous situations. Last week, we just celebrated the freedom we have in our country. It was a great time, extra day off. We, we, we remember those that have served to give us the freedom. Freedom's not free. And I think sometimes what we do in our culture is we kind of, we, we like to celebrate our freedom, but then we don't capitalize on it. See, Paul, he didn't have the freedom we have. He faced persecution like nobody else is facing persecution. Even today, globally, there's, there's so many people facing persecution to try to share their faith and they're doing every single thing they can to do it. Amen. And I think for us, if we're being honest, Sometimes none of the things that Paul went through are a factor, but sometimes the only factor is that it feels awkward. Like how, how embarrassing is that for me to even say, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't wanna go, the person that lives upstairs from me that makes noise all the time. Like, it's awkward for me to go have a conversation with him about my faith. 
I'm a pastor, went to Bible college. Like, it should be easier, but it's not. It's not. I still have to step out of my comfort zone. And God may be calling you to do the exact same thing. There's people in your life, Amen. your family, your coworkers, your friends that need to hear the word of God. And don't let the fact that you, may, you, that you live in a cancel culture deter you from doing what God has for you. In fact, Acts chapter one, Jesus is saying this before he ascends back up into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, Jesus is being strategic here that Jerusalem, the closest city around them is the very first mission field for them. That's going across the street for us. That's our neighbor. That, that's anybody that's as close to us as possible. And listen, we do a great job at, at Trinity. We support global missions. We have missionaries all over the world. And it's a great opportunity for us to, to grow the kingdom globally. That's a great thing. I'm not bashing on any of that. In fact, Bob Goff, a well-known author, says this, God isn't dazzled when we go across an ocean, but he delights when we walk across the street. And again, he's not bashing on global missions. In fact, he has nonprofits all over the world that are reaching people for Jesus. This is one of the, the, the best people to talk about global missions that you can find. But instead what he's talking about is, listen, it doesn't start globally, it starts across the street. Amen. And every single day we cross paths with people that are honestly on a straight path to hell. And if we only allow awkwardness and a cancel culture to prevent us from sharing the gospel, we're not doing what God's asked Amen. us to do. You're right. Stepping out of our comfort zone is really, really crucial. The third type of sharing, generosity. This is the one that we probably hate the most. This is the one that makes us feel the most uncomfortable. Now, for me, um, the worst thing in the entire world, like hands down, Legos. Can't stand them. Cannot stand them. Um, I have crushed deep tissue, like issues of my feet from stepping on Legos. They, they will forever, I will ever like walk funny due to my toddler's Legos. I cannot stand them. They're the worst. I'm not kidding. Like these things, this is, if the scent of the zoo is in hell, the flooring is all Legos. <laughs> it is brutal. I hate it. Now here's the deal. Hudson loves Legos. They're the best things in the world. He'll stack them up. He plays with ones bigger than this because he'll choke on these. Um, he plays with them all the time, loves to make towers. He just figured out like colors. So he's like, ooh, red, green, blue, red, green, blue. This is really cool, right? So he, he loves them, plays with them all the time. They're all over our floor. And as the father, I get to make the rules. So after Lego time, Legos go where? They don't stay on the floor for dad to ruin his feet. They go in a bucket. That bucket is transported to the room where dad will not walk for the rest of the day. Completely out of sight. Now for me, I get to make those rules because they're not his Legos. They're not his Legos. They're my Legos. I'm the dad, I bought the Legos, I get to make the rules. So here's the deal. In life, sometimes God allows us to have Legos, right? Sometimes he gives us cars, he gives us the, the hot girlfriend that we always wanted, he gives us the best job, right? He gives us money, he gives us all these things that we can play with that we can have fun with, that we can enjoy building these fancy towers and we love life. But at the end of the day, when God asks us to do something with the stuff that he gave us, he's the father, he's the rule maker, we gotta do what he wants us to do. In the same way, 
If Hudson doesn't do what I'm asking him to do with the Legos, I don't have to give him more Legos. I can hide those suckers, right? I throw them in the trash. I'm the one that makes the rules. If he leaves them out and I can't walk anymore, they're going in the trash. In the same way, why would God give us more stuff if we're not doing what he's asked us to do with the stuff he's given us? See, I have a fear that one of the only reasons why we don't give stuff and like are, are generous with things is not necessarily just because we're selfish, because we are selfish, let's be honest, that's our sin nature, but it's also because we care what people think about us, like a lot, right? Uh, Paul says this to Timothy as Timothy's about to take over his, his new ministry. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And then he says this, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Generous and ready to share. See, teaching Hudson to share his Legos is very difficult. But again, because I'm the father, I make the rules. Because he's the father, he makes the rules. Generous and ready to share. You see, when we care too much about what people think of us and we want all this stuff, we wanna feel good, and we fall into this comparison trap where like, literally we're scrolling through Instagram and it's Memorial Day and we just, we just took our kids to Fat Cats, we had a great day, it was awesome. Then we get on Instagram and we figure out that our neighbors went to Disney World. Oh, that stinks. Like you thought you were doing good until you scrolled through Instagram and found something that was better. Or, Sometimes we go scroll through Instagram and we're checking our uh, Facebook, everything. Why? With the purpose of feeling superior from other people. See, not only Craig Rochelle says this, it's an awesome quote, comparison will either make you feel superior or inferior, neither honors God. A lot of times the only reason we're not generous is because we want it for ourselves so we can show it off to people. In the culture we live in, one of the hardest things for us to do is be generous with our time, our talent, our treasure, our finances. It can be really difficult. God may be calling you to sacrifice some time, join a serve team, get plugged in here at Trinity. God may be asking you to use your talent that he's given you to serve his kingdom. God may be asking you to give sacrificially for his kingdom. Either way, all three of those things can be really, really uncomfortable. And until we learn how to live with a little bit of a healthy discomfort, we're never gonna be the person God created Amen. us to be. You're right. Sharing through vulnerability with each other, sharing our, our, our failures, our flaws, sharing through evangelism, our faith, our story, and sharing our stuff, our finances, our talent, our treasure, our time. Second type of discomfort, and we're gonna kind of close it out with this, is a discomfort in submission. The discomfort in submission. Sometimes God is asking us to just submit to his authority. S 
submitting to what he is asking us to do. And I think this says it the best way that submitting to God isn't about following rules, it's about trusting the ruler. A lot of times, even Jesus taught when the Pharisees and the Sadducees are arguing over law and, and like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And they're, they're strict. It's like their logical black and white way of thinking of this is right, this is wrong. Here's the commandments. Here's what we're supposed to do. And Jesus came on the scene and said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. It's not as much about following A, B, C, and D. It's about living a life in submission, trusting the guidance and direction of the Father. Romans 8.29 is probably my, one of my favorite passages. It says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, but conformed to the image of his son. What does that look like for us? Think about what, what Jesus looks like, everything about Jesus, the perfect 100% man, 100% God, this perfect being that God created himself to come down to earth and to sacrifice himself for us. He's asking us to conform to his image. He's trying to work on us to create us as a masterpiece that looks exactly like Jesus. You're right. Amen. You see, Michelangelo sculpted David. This, this, it started out as this beautiful piece of just marble. And when Michelangelo was asked, hey, how did you do that? How did you create this masterpiece? How did you create this thing that would go on for years and years and years where everyone wants to just look at it because it's so beautiful, so magnificent? How did you do that? He said, well, it was, it was easy. All I did was I chipped away everything that didn't look like David. Everything that didn't look like David, I, I chipped that away and I created a masterpiece. You see, God takes his chisel and he has this block of marble that looks like each and every one of us. And by conforming to the image of his son, what he's trying to do is he's trying to take this chisel and he's trying to chip away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. But you see, the problem is what we like to do a lot is we like to tell the ruler, we like to tell the person who's in charge, no, 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 you can't touch that. I don't, I don't want you to touch that area of my life. And he's trying to take out the addiction right here. He's trying to say, DJ, I don't want that addiction anymore. I don't like it. So I'm gonna, this doesn't look like Jesus. I'm gonna chip it away. It's right there in the sweet spot, right? It's like every, every part of this doesn't look like Jesus. So I need to get rid of it. And what he wants to do is he wants to chip away that relationship that shouldn't be there. Every aspect of the relationship, it's not healthy. It's not biblical. You shouldn't be living with them. This isn't how God designed it. He wants to chip it away. But you're saying, no, 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 God, it's the only person I have. I gotta have the relationship. Don't take it from me. Don't chip it away right now. These insecurities that I have, he's trying to chip those away. The friendships, he's trying to chip those away. But every time you look, you say, God, I gotta have my friends. They're the only people in my life. Don't take those away from me. Don't take them away. You see, God's sitting there, he's saying, wait, 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 I'm trying to create this masterpiece. I'm trying to create this masterpiece. Stop preventing me, submit to me. Let me create exactly who I wanted you to be. Don't fall in love with this idea of what the world says you are, but conform to the image of his son. Everything that doesn't look like Jesus shouldn't be there. He's trying to chip away. 
chipping away at the addiction. He's chipping away at the grudge you're holding. He wants to get rid of it for you. Not for his benefit, for yours. You see, the benefit of being uncomfortable is where we're exactly where God wants us to be. So whatever pain, whatever hurt that you're going through, to get over that addiction, to forgive somebody that hurts you, to get out of a relationship, maybe you're exactly where God wants you to be. And maybe all you have to do is submit to the hand of the creator that is trying to form a masterpiece. See, the question as we move on today is simply this, what's your next step? Each and every one of us, myself included, we have a next step today. I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in a way that is calling us to take action. Some of us, it may be opening up with each other through vulnerability. Maybe that's your next step is joining a group. And in your sermon notes, if you have them today, there's just a little blank at the very end. It says, what's your next step? I, I challenge you to just fill that out. Ask God in a second when we, when we pray and enter into kind of a time of response, just asking God, what are you calling me to do today? Maybe that's it. Maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's sharing your faith. Maybe God's put somebody in your head right now that as I was talking, you thought of a family member, a coworker, a friend, somebody that you see on a regular basis. Maybe you, you see them at a, like in school, or maybe you see them every day, like when you're playing softball or like just hanging out or goofing around. Like God's putting people in your head for a reason. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe your next step is being generous with your time, with your talent. Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe God's calling you to action today. Maybe God's calling you to let him work on you. Where the addiction you're having, you're keeping because it makes you feel good in the moment. And God's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Let me, let me chip that away for you. What is your next step? But maybe you're here this morning and your next step is actually your first step. Maybe you're here today and you've been putting off accepting Jesus as your savior for far too long. And today's the day where you make a commitment to make him Lord and savior over your life. And you can look back on today when you leave as the turning point of your life. Maybe that's you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, we're gonna enter into a time of response to answer those questions of what's your next step. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in a way where he's guiding you, he's directing you. Submit to his authority, submit to his hand so that he can create the masterpiece he intended to make. For those of you that want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior over your life this morning, you can just repeat this prayer after me. Put it in your own words. That's fine. It says, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've wandered away from your hand for too long. And as simply as I know how, I want to declare you Lord and Savior over my life. And from this day forward, I commit to serving you. in this room all over the place, we're all called to take our next step. What is your next step? Dear God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to just speak and to share what your scripture has taught, Lord. I ask that even for myself, that you challenge me to be bold and receive the power that the Holy Spirit has given us as believers to carry out your ministry. It may feel uncomfortable, but we know that we're challenged to take our next steps. 
Lord, we thank you for everyone in this room. Thank you for what you're doing here at Trinity, what you're gonna do in the future, that we will reach this entire city of Mesa for you. We will grow our kingdom for you. Thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. And we thank you for those that prayed the prayer to accept you for the first time today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. How about a church? Let's celebrate those that made a decision today. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to speak um, again to you um, this morning. And here, as we talk about next steps, our next step pathway here at Trinity is really simple. We call it the growth track. And today actually launches our very first week. It's the first Sunday of June. So as you leave, if you have never gone through the growth track, this is where we want you to know God, find friends, discover your purpose, make a difference. Everything we talked about today falls into these categories. We would love to just give you some clear next steps on how to accomplish those things. So if you leave on the left-hand side as you go out, you'll see our growth track room, our host team. Everybody there would love to greet you. If you can't stay today, perfectly okay. If you have questions about what next week looks like or any of that, they would love to be able to answer those and and help you out, um, give you some answers to those questions. Um, But church, we're gonna continue through worship with our tithes and offerings. Can we celebrate that this morning? Yeah. We give because we serve a give first God. We're so excited about what God's doing here at Trinity. Thank you so much for your generosity to helping us out with this as we have been able to reach um, really hundreds of people over the last couple years. Um, as we're, listen, it's so exciting for me. Um, we've baptized like between five to seven people every month since I've been here and the waters are just stirring, lives are being changed. And that's, that, that's credit to you and your generosity of what we're able to do here at Trinity. So we really, we really appreciate that. If you'll go ahead and stand with me. We're going to be dismissed. Um, I'm going to ask um, our prayer partners to go ahead and head up. This is for you guys. If you have any prayer requests or any need of prayer or just want counsel about some things, we have people up here in front that would love to be able to help you um, through those. And I'll I'll be down front as well. I'd love to be able to connect with you. If you did make a a decision today and the seat back's in front of you, there's a connection card. Or if this is your first time, we'd love to just be able to connect with you. You can put those in the little offering boxes as you head back out. But thanks again for coming. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for the people that are in this room today. Thank you for those joining us online. God, we pray that we have the best Sunday we've ever had, and we thank you so much for the decisions that were made today, and challenge us, Lord, as we leave um, to take our next step in faith, to grow closer to you, and be okay with being uncomfortable. God, we love you so much. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Keep coming back. We'll see you next week, church.